This message first aired on the radio on August 6, 2003. Now we're looking at the life of Jacob, and we find out why Jacob is named Jacob. The name Jacob is supplanter, or the one who supplants another. Also, you might say he's a contender. He's a contentious guy. He's a guy who's a fighter. He's a sly one. He's a character. He's a real. He's a real character. I don't. I don't really like him. I read about him here. I don't. I don't think I'd like this guy. He's one of these fellows that immediately I don't think I'd like. Now I do think I'll get along with him in eternity, because God changed him and God changed me. And so, and then we'll be sent apart. So the things I don't like about Jacob won't be there when I meet him. But he's not a very likable guy, at least in my opinion. If you read him, this supplanter, he and his mom snuck around Esau to to wangle his blessing. Now, that was all within the providential sight of God. Esau certainly had no value on the on the position that God would have given him as the firstborn. He had no value of his birthright. He traded it for a bowl of red soup, lentil stew, and he lived a disgraceful life before his parents, aggravated his parents with his two Hittite wives, and certainly was also a liar, lied to his father. And you look at this family and you have hope for your own. When you look at the family of Abraham, you look at his descendants, and you know that God promised his seed through Isaac and through Jacob, and you look at these families, you say, wow, I have real hope for my own family because these people are just like us. But this guy, Jacob, this supplanter, we got through the 27th chapter of Genesis, seeing him supplant his brother, and then we saw him blessed, and then we saw him threatened, threatened by Esau. His mom overheard it, and there she was, always protecting her son, Okay, it's possible that Jacob is a mama's boy. It was poss- It's possible that that's what he was. The, the more I think on this, especially we see a little bit of his behavior with his brother-in-law Laban, you could make the charge. I don't know if you can sustain it, but you can make it. It's worth the hearing. So now Isaac and Rebekah send Jacob to Rebekah's brother Laban. And we didn't we didn't talk a lot about Laban before. When Abraham sent his eldest servant, we, we didn't get into the details of that, to seek a wife for Isaac, and he found Rebekah. Laban was there and was in approving connection with his sister's decision to go with Abraham's servant and marry Isaac. Now, she sent Jacob back to go find a wife there, and I suggest to you that he that finds a, a wife finds a good thing. Rebecca, a good woman. Rebecca distinguished herself as a woman who worked. When Abraham's servant was there at the well, she ran and took care of all of his camels. While Jacob goes on to his journey, it's a little bit different. And the the difference about Jacob, the thing that we need to see about Jacob, what is what is commendable about Jacob, is that despite the fact that Maybe he's a mama's boy. He's certainly a character. He's he's a dislikable guy in a lot of ways. Is that he's a man of faith. He is a man of faith. He was an upright fella before God. And God saves characters. God saves sinners. God saves guys like Jacob. And aren't you glad for that? I I'm certainly glad that God saves characters like Jacob, because if he can save Jacob, then 
and Jacob can be pleasing to God, then so can I, but only by faith. And we see Jacob as he goes on his way to Laban's house that he has a dream. And in his dream, it tells us in Genesis 28, he dreamed and beheld a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to of thee. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And let me say that this is the, the thing about Jacob that distinguished him. The thing about Jacob that distinguished him is that he had a fellowship with God. God spoke to him. And, of course, he also spoke to God. But God spoke to Jacob, and here we see him renewing to Jacob the promise to Abraham. And so the promise of God comes to Jacob on the basis of the election of God from his birth. And God fulfills now exactly what we thought he would do when he told Rebekah that the, the elder shall serve the younger. But here he comes to a place, and it's called the house of God. That's what he names it. He calls this place the house of God. He calls it the house of God because in the house of God there's a ladder set up on the earth, the top to reach to heaven, and the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And let me pause for a minute and say that today the house of God still is despite what men would say, the house of God still is the church which is his body, that is, the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. And I find it interesting here that that Jacob sees here a ladder whose top reaches to heaven, angels, this is a vision that he has in his dream, the angels of God ascending and descending on it, and the Lord revealing himself there. And that's that's true of the local church. That's why when we started today talking about what gets called a church, such a disgraceful thing to think that some organization which has departed from the Scripture, which puts forward a sodomite uh, as a leader, could somehow still claim to be the pillar and the support of the truth when it's not, the, the word church misapplied. But the church of God, which is his body, is the place where angels still convene, and it's the place where God's children are still fed. It is still the house of God, and it is still the pillar and support of the truth. And not only ought it to be, but God still makes a way by his grace to establish that very thing in in every community where God's people are. He's able to establish, just like he did here out in the wilderness, a church where the truth can be found. And friends, it's getting hard to find the truth. It's a lot easier to find a cheap gallon of gas 
than it is to find the truth. But despite the fact that it's difficult, God still has his house. Now, we see that Jacob realizes he'll come back to his father's house. This is something that he's assured about. The land is occupied by Hittites. Abraham walked around in it. Jacob's being sent out of the land, and Esau gets to stay in it. What a, what a turnaround this is. We'll look at it some more in a minute. Looking at Jacob, he's on his journey. It, we're at Genesis 29. It says, Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And this now is the land of his mother's brother Laban. And he looked, and behold, a well in the field, and there were flocks of sheep lying by it. And as you read the book of Genesis, and you look through the, this period of time that we're reading about, and you find that these wells seem to be very important areas, understand, yes, they are. You might remember Abraham found wells, and then they would be filled up by his enemies. But when you're in a desert, and when you're in a land where water is scarce, a well is certainly a gathering place. And so Jacob finds flocks gathered around. They're waiting for the well's mouth to be opened. And Jacob says, my brethren, where are you from? And they said, we are from Haran. Now that's, that is Terah, Terah's brother, Abraham's father's brother. And he said unto them, know ye Laban, the son of Nahor. So now this is, this is Laban the first cousin of Jacob here. He says, do you, know, do you know this fellow? And they said, we know him. He says, is he well? And they said, behold, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. And now we find out a little something more about this fellow Jacob. And it's interesting to find out something about this fellow Jacob, who's going to be renamed Israel. And we can understand this dichotomy that he is. Because according to the flesh, he's a real Jacob. And according to the Spirit, he is Israel. And there's something very lovable about Israel, and there's something very detestable about this fellow Jacob. And this is prophetically true. Remember, the account of this fellow's life is given to us for our benefit and for our example. And the things that are written about him to show his character are for our instruction. And he truly is the patriarch of Israel because he's very likable, spiritually speaking, and he's very unlikable according to the flesh. Now, he is so different than the eldest servant of Abraham, whether it was Eliezer or someone else at that time. He's very different. They tell him, here comes Rachel, the daughter of the man that you're asking us about, and he said, well, why don't you, why aren't you feeding your sheep? Why aren't you feeding your cattle? Why aren't you giving them water? Verse 8, they said, we cannot until all the flocks be gathered together, and they roll the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. And while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. And it came to pass, when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Now look at this fellow. He's all excited. And why is he excited? I'll tell you why he's excited. Because Jacob saw Rachel. That's why he's so excited. He saw Rachel. Now here's a fellow that just is out of control. I'll tell you, everything about this account 
tells me that this guy's out of control. Of course, we have here dating and courting. We have a courtship beginning. And let me say that a courtship oftentimes begins this way. It begins with a guy seeing a woman that he likes and going temporarily insane. Well, we say insane. Uh, I don't know if he's insane, but he's out of control. Let me put it that way. And he doesn't sit back and wait for the woman to water the flocks or see how she does. He jumps forward. He rolls the stone away before the time, and he's all over himself about this this girl that he sees. Isn't this very human? And it's very funny. Verse 11, And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. Now this is not a kiss. This is not a romantic kiss. Although it's in his mind, but this is a common Eastern greeting, so there's nothing offensive here. There's nothing especially obviously forward about this. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her, her father's brother and that he was Rebecca's son, and she ran and told her father. So she's pretty excited too, and we have got rockets going off here between these two and let me say there's nothing the matter with rockets going off in fact if you don't have any rockets going off during courtship maybe you ought to rethink whether this is the right one or not but just because there's rockets going off between the two that doesn't make this the best idea and we're going to see these two find a way to get each other into all kinds of problems and not nearly the problems that we see our young people getting into, but they do find a way to get each other into problems, and this you'll see. So this is now how Jacob is introduced to Laban, and he stays with his brother-in-law, Laban, for a month before Laban comes to him and gives him some, some really what has to be bad news to him. Now, let me say that God deals with us. First of all, God makes us the way that we are. He creates us for his own purposes. But we become, the, with the gifts that he gives us, we want to call those gifts, with the way that he has made us, the abilities, our skills, those things that are attractive, those things are not attractive. He has given us all of that. We use them for our own purposes. That is what Jacob did. Jacob used his skills according to his own ideas for his own purposes. God deals with that. God wants to use the way he's made you for his purposes according to his ways. And his ways are not our ways, and his are not his thoughts are not our thoughts, and the, Jacob has to learn that thing. And the way that Jacob learns that thing, God not only designed Jacob to be the character he is, but God designed Laban to be the iron that sharpened the iron of Jacob. And let me say this, Laban is at least as big a character as Jacob, if not worse. And every Jacob, by the grace of God, every Jacob finds a Laban and therefore becomes an Israel, if I may just put it that way. And you thank God for that Laban in your life, because if it wasn't for Laban here, Jacob would have never gotten to know himself. I don't think Jacob would have ever gotten to know himself or know the kind of things he did. He's got some lessons to learn about himself, and he doesn't learn them until they happen to him. And so if he thinks he's a trickster, if he thinks he's a clever guy, now he's met the master of the thing, of the trick, Laban the Syrian. And so he stays with Laban a month, and Laban said unto Jacob, 
I'm in Genesis 29, verse 15. Because thou art my brother, shouldest thou therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? Now, maybe this doesn't strike you as it strikes me, but here we have Laban, after Jacob stays with him a month, all of a sudden telling Jacob that he's not his brother-in-law anymore, he's his servant, and what should his pay be? All of a sudden, Jacob's no longer a free man. And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, or weak in the eyes. So I, I don't know. Uh, that's not an effect. That's not a term of. Comp- it's not a complimentary term to be weak-eyed. I don't know. Uh, it's obviously an opposite of Rachel because it says, "But Rachel was beautiful and well favored." That is to say, Rachel had a good figure and a good face to go with it. And this now is is something that's got the attention of Jacob. And so despite the fact that Laban's offering him a lousy deal economically, it says, Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And so here's his wages. He says, I'll give you seven years of labor. You give me Rachel. So that's a bride price. If you deal with Eastern cultures, you'll find out there is a bride price. But ordinarily, it's more of a social matter. It's not intended to be tit-for-tat as much as it is a relationship-building transaction. But here with Laban and Jacob, business is business. And friends, between Christians, there can be business, but remember that Business is not business between Christians. Business is fellowship between Christians. And whenever you enter into business with your brother, always be ready to get the short end, and that way you'll never be disappointed. Uh, We can talk more about that in the meantime, because whereas that may be your expectation, it ought not to be your conduct. And that'll be a good subject for us when we take it up some later time. But with Laban and Jacob, business is business. And so... Laban says to Jacob, it's better I give her to thee than some other guy, so you stay with me. We've got a deal. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days for the love he had to her. And that's a very that's a very nice term. That's a true thing. Jacob had great love for Rachel, but he doesn't get Rachel. Laban plays a trick on him. It's an interesting trick. If you think about the fact that Rebecca engineered Jacob to be a switcheroo on Isaac, right? And when Isaac, when Isaac blessed Jacob, he thought he was, he thought he was Esau. And so this is a real interesting turnaround, and it's a comeuppance. And God is not mocked; whatsoever a man sows, that also shall he reap. Isn't this a tit for tat and a real fair deal? in repayment for the trickery played on Isaac, that, lo and behold, Laban switches women on Jacob. Now, I don't know how Jacob maintained himself in reaction to this. Can you imagine what Esau would have done if somebody swapped the wrong woman on him? But Laban gave his daughter Lee and brought her to Jacob, and Jacob went in unto her, And before he knew it, he had married the other girl. And it came to pass in the morning, Behold, says the Scripture. Well, that'll give you pause. You read that word in the Scripture where it just says, Behold. 
Here, verse 25, it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Lee. And just pause for a minute on that word, behold, and stick yourself in Jacob's place. There's a lot to be said in that one little behold there. And he said to Laban, what have you done to me? Did I not serve thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? Well, Jacob, you ought to realize why it is that people beguile you. People take advantage of you for their own benefit. And Laban said to him, It must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet another seven years. So here Laban did a seven-year deal with Jacob for the girl Jacob wanted, and he wasn't going to get another seven years. Understand that great blessing comes from Jacob. He's, after all, he's the grandson of Abraham. And you get a guy that's the grandson of Abraham serving you, and God is with him, and you get great blessing that way. And that's what Laban got. Laban got great blessing through the efforts and the connivings of Jacob. No question you get a conniver like Jacob working for you. He's going to make you some money. That's what he was doing. And I'm sure Laban thought, well, I'd I'd like another seven years of this guy. He's not going to give me seven years for Lee. I'm not going to be able to negotiate with him for a second wife. I'll just slip him the I'll just slip him the older girl first and get another seven years from him for Rachel. So Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, and he gave him Rachel his daughter to wife also. Jacob did get Rachel the woman he wanted after seven years, but it cost him an additional seven years. I don't know why people make the mistake of thinking that he had to wait for the next seven years before he got Rachel. Jacob might have some patience. He may have loved Rachel, and he may be a little bit of a mama's boy, too, but he's not going to put up with another a second seven years without her. He gets her right away. So he gets these two wives in an eight-day period, and now he loves Rachel more than Lee, and He's serving Laban for the next seven years. But there's a problem here that he loves Rachel more than Lee. Of course, there's there's going to be a problem because he's got two women in the house. And two wives is a big problem. And he's not only he's not only got two wives, he's got two jealous wives. And he's got two wives that are sisters. And he's got nothing but trouble here in his house. So we're going to sprint through the next part. And we'll just read it because the way the scripture reads is so quick and hard-hitting, that we'll just read it. Verse 31, we'll start there. When the Lord saw that Lee was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And so God reacts now to Jacob's attitude toward his wife, Lee. And Jacob hates Lee, it says here in the Scripture. He, He loves Rachel, and he doesn't think very much of Leah. And so she's stuck with a guy that doesn't like her. So God intercedes in her behalf, intervenes in her behalf, I should say, and he opens her womb, and he closes Rachel's womb. But Rachel was barren. And Lee conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, Surely the Lord has looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Well, that's a little bit pathetic, isn't it? But here we're going to get the 12 sons of Israel and their names, and it's going to tell us their history. We'll be right back. Did Laban Jacob Jacob, or will Jacob Laban Laban? Here we now find that the first child that Lee has 
She called his name Reuben. Reuben means, behold, a son. And she said, surely the Lord has looked upon my affliction, and now therefore my husband will love me. And of course, here we have, behold, a son, Israel, the name that Jacob will assume will be given by God once he's converted, we might say, once he's dealt with. The name that he'll be given by God is Israel. Israel is God's firstborn son. It's his national son. And so interesting that the first name here of the children of Israel, Jacob, is Reuben, which means, behold, a son. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I was hated, he therefore gave me this son also. And she called his name Simeon, or hearing. Now, when Israel will be born, and this is yet future, but when Israel, God's firstborn national son, will be born, they will be under bondage, just as prophesied to Abraham. They'll be under bondage in Egypt, and God will hear their cry. That's one thing that we'll read about in the birth of Israel. And verse 34, Now she conceived again and bare a son. This time will my husband be joined unto me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi, and Levi means joiner. And so here she she now naming all of her sons in relationship to her husband, and she says, now my husband will be joined to me, and of course God will enjoin Israel after he hears their cry. And she conceived again and bare a son, and she said, now I will praise the Lord, and therefore call his name Judah, and she left off bearing. And of course, in the history of Israel, God's firstborn son, he hears their cry, he joins to them, he delivers them, and they praise him. The horse and rider has he cast into the sea. These praises throughout the Psalms and, of course, throughout the Scripture, the praise that Israel has for the Lord bringing them out of Egypt as his firstborn. So she has those four sons. Then she leaves off childbearing. And of these four sons... We especially pay attention to Judah and Levi, for we know that they will be important in the inheritance of Jacob. Reuben, his firstborn, should be, because he's the firstborn, he should have the rights of primogenitor. When Israel blesses his children, the rights of primogenitor should go to the firstborn. And what are the firstborn rights? One of the things that the Scripture has a lot to say about are firstborn rights and privileges. And so far, firstborns either haven't lived to maintain their rights and privileges, such as the case of Abel, or they've been unfit for their rights and privileges. Esau forfeited the rights and privileges of the firstborn, and they are threefold. They are, first of all, the rulership. The rulership. That's why in the forfeiture of Esau, we find that the elder shall serve the younger. Along with rulership goes priesthood, and the priesthood is the to maintain the tabernacle, really to maintain, after the Noahic Covenant, the tabernacle of Shem, or to maintain the way to the tree of life, if we go all the way back to the first dispensation. So that also given to the firstborn. So the priesthood, leadership in the family. And the third thing is the double portion. The double portion is given to the firstborn so that he can exercise the proper care of the family in the place of the father. So he's given a double portion, not merely so that he can enjoy it, but so that he can use that second portion for the unfortunate or those that need it within the family and to take care of necessary expenses 
related, for example, to exercising priesthood and leadership. In the future of Israel, all of these should have gone legally to Reuben being the firstborn, but they don't. In fact, these three privileges are dispersed among three sons. To Judah is given rulership. To Levi is given the priesthood. And the double portion goes all the way down to Joseph. Well, we get ahead of ourselves. We read now Genesis 30. When Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children, or else I die. Now, there's a requirement. Here, Jacob, how does he give her children? Uh, He's proven that uh, his plumbing's in proper order, so I don't know how she blames him, but then I'm a man. How would I know how she blames him? Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, and he said, Am I in God's stead? Who has withheld thee from the fruit of the womb? And, of course, that's God. He's the one who closes the womb and opens the womb. And she said, now here's Rachel. Here she has the idea, just to show she's a true daughter of Sarah. She says, here, behold, my handmaid Bilhah, go in unto her, and she shall bear upon my knees that I may have children by her. And so here she's pulling the Sarah card and saying, here's my handmaiden, according to the way we do things here, according to our culture, my handmaiden's children are mine, and I'll just do the work of the nursemaid here, and this is the way I'll have my children. And she gave him Bilhah, her handmaid to wife, and Jacob went into her, and Bilhah conceived and bare Jacob a son, And Rachel said, God has judged me and has also heard my voice and has given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. Well, that's the word for judge, and that's why she names him Dan. Now you've got Dan, who's going to have the tribe of Dan. And, of course, this will be the disinherited tribe in Israel, the tribe of Dan. No great history for it. And Bilhah, Rachel's maid, conceived again and bare Jacob a second son. And Rachel said, With great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister, and I have prevailed. And she called his name Naphtali, and so named it Wrestling. And when Lee saw that she had left bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her Jacob to wife. So you see how these women are having a proxy war. And here's a man with two wives, two sisters, and my goodness, how much trouble is there in the little clan of Jacob here. There is so much trouble. So now Lee picks up her handmaid and gives, and that's Zilpah, and gave her to Jacob. And Zilpah, Lee's maid, bare Jacob a son. And Lee said, a troop cometh, and she called his name Gad, which is a name for troop. And Zilpah, Lee's maid, bare Jacob a second son. And Lee said, happy am I, for the daughters will call me blessed. And she called his name Asher. And so now the sons of Jacob are piling up. And we read on, Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest. This is the oldest son. Now he's grown at least old enough to go pick some things out of the field. Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them unto his mother, Lee. Then Rachel said to Lee, Give me, I pray thee, of thy son's mandrakes. 
And she said unto her, Is it a small matter that thou takest my husband, and wouldest thou also take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, Therefore he shall lie with thee tonight for thy son's mandrakes. Now the women are trading Jacob like some kind of a a public utility between the two of themselves just for some mandrakes. Which mandrakes, by the way, are the mandragora. This is a mushroom, mushroom type of root. I learned about the mandragora root when I was in school. I didn't learn about it in chemistry class, but I did learn about this form of mushroom, and it's supposed to be an aphrodisiac of some kind. But Rachel traded a night with Jacob to her sister for the mandrakes, and Jacob came out in the field in the evening, and Lee went out to meet him and said, Thou must come in unto me, for I have hired thee with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night, and God hearkened unto Lee, and she conceived and bare Jacob her fifth son. And Lee said, God has given me my hire, because I have given my maiden to my husband, and she called his name Issachar. And Lee conceived again and bare Jacob the sixth son. And Lee said, God endued me with a good dowry. Now my husband will dwell with me, because I have borne him six sons. And she called his name Zebulun. And afterwards she bare a daughter and called her name Dinah. And God remembered Rachel, and God hearkened unto her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bare a son and said, God has taken away my reproach and called his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said unto Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own place and in my country. Give me my wives and my children whom I have served thee. Let me go, for thou knowest the service that I have done. Now Laban's not going to let Jacob go. Laban's going to say, Well, okay, I mean, you've only paid me for two wives, but now you're proposing. You're going to take all my children from me. Why don't you give me some... Why don't you tarry? Why don't you stay for a while? And you tell me what wages you want, and I'll give it. And for some reason, Jacob does negotiate with them. There's a certain amount of camaraderie here. There's still family feeling, I'll say, between him and Laban. And now he negotiates with him another six years, which is going to be 20 years altogether. He says to him, you just let me handle the, the sheep and the goats and the cattle, and I'll take care of your cattle. You give me the speckled and the spotted, and you keep the brown ones, and I'll take some of your cattle, but I'll keep them for you. You'll get them back, and I'll just keep the speckled and the striped and the spotted that come from these cattle, and you'll get all the rest. And Laban agrees with him, and they separate the cattle for a while, and for six years Jacob organizes himself to take the best of the offspring and arranges for himself the best of the offspring, the strongest of the offspring of Laban's cattle and organizes for himself his own wealth through Laban. Now, I say all this because now you see that Jacob, even though he was mistreated by Laban, and there's nothing nice about Laban here, he finally prevails over Laban. And I'll shorten the course of this story by saying he acquires to himself great wealth, and he he sneaks off in the middle of the night with his wives and his children as Laban's countenance turns against him. And in so doing, Rachel, who's, a, who's kind of a Jacob herself, steals the family's household gods. And this is a picture of Israel. Remember now, this is the promised 
this is the one through whom the promised seed is coming this jacob this is this is the going to be the the progenitor this is israel and rachel steals the household gods and hides them and takes them off away from laban's house we could go on it's a fascinating story but we're going to pass that story up but she steals the household gods and so you see that it's a picture that when israel goes out from Egypt, and when Israel is going to be established, going back to their father's house, a nation built in a day, that there is secreted away this strange gods with the nation of Israel. And that's one of the great problems that Israel had. It had strange gods before God. The first commandment, I am God, have no strange gods. The very time that he spoke it, they were busy getting themselves strange gods. So we have the picture of this woman, Rachel, sneaking off with her father's strange God. And now, as Jacob runs away, really runs away from Laban, Laban overtakes him, but God warns Laban, don't do anything. Laban the Syrian, don't do anything to, to Jacob. Don't, don't start getting evil with him. Laban is so warned, and he pays attention, and Jacob finds himself now needing God. He's overcome Laban, but he's got to face Esau. He's coming back into the land. He's got to face Esau, and he's afraid of him because Esau's a mighty man. And, in fact, the Scripture says in Genesis 32, Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people, that is, his own family, that were with him, the flocks and the herds and the camels, into two bands, and said, If Esau comes to the one company and smites it, the other company will escape. And so Jacob is now terrorized by the fact that his jealous brother Esau, who's had 20 years to brood, could kill him. And he says, well, I'll split my family in half. At least half the family will survive. And then Jacob calls upon God, and he says, oh, God, my father Abraham, and God, my father Isaac, the Lord which said unto me, return to thy country, and I'll deal well with thee. I need help. Help, he says. Good prayer. We'll see if God helps him tomorrow.